everybody and welcome into the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Matt Castillo here with Chip Murphy and the brains behind Knicks Film School, Andrew Claudio. Andrew, thank you for coming on, being a part of the Knicks State of Mind podcast with us. How you been? I'm good. Thank you. And I'm I, like I said in pre-show, I will not correct you. The brains <laughs> behind Knicks Film School. It is an honor to be here and I'm excited to talk a little Knicks tonight. And we got plenty of things to talk about, different things that we might throw at you here as, as we, we kind of have a little bit of a rundown today. So the first thing off the bat we want to jump into, uh, Chip, I know you spent some time in the, the last podcast that was released today already talking about it. But obviously now another rumor, which is, just feels like that's what happens at this time of year. You go from one rumor to another. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, it was a Damian Lillard. That's looking murky. Uh, so now on to the next rumor. And, of course, that links the Knicks with Colin Sexton of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, Andrew, I just want your thoughts behind these latest rumors uh, and Colin Sexton in general. What, what do you think of him if a trade was made? What, what are your thoughts behind Colin? So I would be uh, ashamed of my own self or anybody from Knicks Film School if I didn't plug something from Knicks Film School. But John and I actually had it out about Colin Sexton uh, at the beginning of the most recent episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, the clip, it's about 22 minutes, is available for anybody that wants to go listen or watch on YouTube um, as its own exclusive, uh, should the Knicks trade for Colin Sexton. My thoughts are simple in that I, I look at the package, and it, it goes back to how poor I believe this free agent class is, the trade market is, Unless you want to get pipe dreamy about this offseason, I don't think there's really a way a team will become a contender with a move this offseason. You can get better. I'm not going to say you can't improve your team, but I don't know if you can, can. There's no summer 2019 move that can be made this offseason. So every single move that is available to be made, it's there's a pro and con. Like, oh, there's a cost you have to weigh. There's a... a next move that to follow that you have to see what it looks like. There's no one move that I'm saying is a no brainer for the Knicks, which then you apply to Colin Sexton. And so if the package is what we're hearing, that's the, the original package from the dude from fear of the sword, that it's Obi top and Kevin Knox and one of the two picks this year, I just don't see how two backups and a late first isn't a, a, a decent enough price that you're willing to give up as much as you might have an emotional attach attachment to Obi Toppin or Kevin Knox, you're getting back a 22 year old. That's already proven. He knows how to score already proven. He knows how to score with somewhat efficiency. I know he could probably improve in scoring in ways that lead to winning, but isn't that what we were saying about Julius Randall a year ago? So I would trust that this front office has the, ability to do what they did with Randall with Colin Sexton. So I'd, I'd be on board if that's the price that it would cost to get him. And, and that's what I was, I was talking to Chip before we came on. And I was saying out of the, the rumors, 
I mean, I do see this one being a little bit more realistic than the other ones in the last, you know, several months or so actually happening. I, I, I But I'm kind of with you. I don't know if that would be enough for Cleveland to go, yeah, this is a good deal for us. So, you know what I mean? Like, this is a lottery pick himself. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if that was the deal put in place and they would accept it, I don't think that's a terrible deal for us either at the well, same time. So it's interesting. It goes back to, like you said, the – the cost is really just going to be the biggest this point for me. But, like, the, the first report I heard about, or rumor, if you want to call it, about Colin Sexton was R.J. Barrett. And no, like, that that's the no deal. If R.J. Yeah. Barrett's in yeah. a Colin Sexton yeah. trade, then I'm out. But if you're telling me, and look, I love Obi Toppin, and that's the emotional side as a Knicks fan, where, and that, that it's been the most incredible thing this offseason is to see one season of the the four seed and 41 wins and now nobody's tradable unless you wore number six for the Knicks ever you know um the attachment to Al Obi Toppin that like Obi's untouchable I don't want to part with Obi I want to see what he's gonna be like if Julius Randle is the long-term future here unless you think Tibbs is gonna find religion and start to play Obi at the five you know I don't think Obi can guard a five now in this league no. I, I don't necessarily think there's a world where Obi's future is here. Uh, Obi's future here is in as a backup. So you're trading two backups. Right. And th- th- I just two backups for a, a one year look at a starting point guard before you have to give him his next extension. I well, not even a point guard, a, a combo guard. We'll call Colin Sexton. I don't see how that's not like a deal you make right away. No, it's a, I agree with you. It's an easy deal. In my opinion, just, you may, you mentioned Obi's a backup. I don't think there's any route to finding him minutes. Julius Randle led the league in minutes last year, played more minutes than any other player in the league. That number's not going to go down. I don't see any path to him averaging more than 10, 11, 12 minutes per game on this. Outside level. of an injury, but I, I agree Outside with you. Outside of an injury. No, which yeah. you shouldn't base your plans for the future around, well, Julius is going to get hurt. You shouldn't play yeah, for injury exactly. unless – Unless you play for Brooklyn, you probably should. Yeah, <laughs> then you should base your entire plan yes. probably on, <laughs> on. We'll trade for James Harden because KD is inevitably going to get hurt. That's know? why they traded for Harden because they were worried one of those guys would get hurt. I, but yeah, I just don't see why holding on to Obi Toppin and saying, "Oh, we need to give him a full off season and a full season right. how he looks with this team" is a reason to hold on to him. Like, I know the emotional attachment there, and I love watching him, too. He's a great kid. And and he had such a, a, a clear, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, just looks so much more comfortable than he did at the beginning of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that makes it a little bit harder, but at the same time, what are we talking here? I mean, uh, you know. At the same if, time, if Colin Sexton averaged 24.7 points per game exactly. last year. You know, it's just an average four points per game last year. And, you know. It's he plays the same position as the best player on the team, so that's and, really the clincher there. And if it's if it's that deal that's on the table, like I said, I have a hard time letting go of multiple picks. I, I'm somebody that believes to hold on to them, but you know we have two picks right right around each other. Departing from one, if that was really what it took to do it, I don't. I would do it. And it's I where. And it's where I go to with if you are someone that wants to see what Sharif Cooper or a guy that's going to be available around 19 or 21, 
if you want to see what one of those kids look like, that's why you have two picks this year. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense of parting for ways with both. However, if it was, we're over, we're underestimating what Cleveland would want and they'd want both firsts this year. I think I'd still do it solely okay. for the fact that like these late firsts have a much lower track record of hitting, you know, some of them are Emmanuel quickly, you know, some of them do work out. Some of them are John Wallace or Walter McCarty. For Knicks fans that are my age, shout out to not Chris Percyonen, apparently. Ronaldo uh, Balkman. Right, and, yeah, right. we had Chris Percyonen on the last one. Yeah. That, I, was, I'm, I'm, I listened. I'm, I'm, I got you. Don't worry. You have a grown-up on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. So, I, like, I, I remember the Knicks in this incredible draft that happened in the 90s. I think it was the 96 draft. The Knicks had three first-round picks. And it was Walter McCarty, John Wallace, and I don't even remember the third guy's name. And the four players taken ahead of them was like Peja, Steve Nash. It was like all guys that ended up being on all NBA teams or all-star teams. Like the, the success rate is not always the highest. So you shouldn't like, because we know that this year it's 19 and 21, then I'd actually be willing to part with them. If you don't think there's a guy that will be better than Colin Sexton, out there um it's the future picks that i don't know what they'll be that i'd hold on to and now that i know like in a way draft picks are trade assets so if a guy like colin sexton's out there you use it that's a great point i'd much rather trade 19 than than dallas's pick in 2023 i'm not trading like next year's first round pick or a 20 like a pick in 2024 you know this is 19 and 21 so like the way i look at draft picks as far as assets go is the closer and closer you get to the draft, the lower and lower their value becomes. Because once you attach a player to it, like the Knicks had the eighth pick in the draft, and it was like, oh, here's the eighth pick in a trade last season. Then, like, it became OB Toppin. And now it's OB Toppin's value, not a first-round pick. So, as like, yes, I know for the cap it does matter that way if you're trying to fit it all into that big puzzle. It's still like the eighth pick in the draft until it's a player. And until the Knicks assign a player to 19 and 21, I don't want to bid on a rabbit trail there, but that's at least how I'm looking at this is like they're trading 19 and 21 with no player assigned to it yet. Um, yeah. I, I don't, if the trade package is that I can't. And look, I, I made this reference a couple of weeks ago during our cap or no cap again, shameless plug to Knicks film school. <laughs> um, we did the Dame Lillard conversation and the whole thing is like, I'm not trading RJ Barrett for anybody. If Jesus Christ was coming back in a trade, I'd need God to attach something else to an RJ Barrett deal. Like I, that's how Knicks fans have been about um, RJ Barrett. And I remember like a couple years ago, Jeremy and I used to host a pod together. And this is the summer of 2019 when we thought that Katie and Kyrie were in play to come here. And the thought was we should unload whatever assets we had left to go get Anthony Davis. Cause he was available at the time. Why not? Unlo- There's your big three, Katie, Kyrie, Anthony Davis. And the common take around Nick's Twitter was, I don't want to trade Frank Nilakina. I don't want to trade Kevin Knox. I don't want to trade Mitchell Robinson. I enjoyed last season where we won 17 games and had the worst record in the league. I like watching the kids. I just was like, okay, 
You do you. I, I like, remember the I don't want to trade it, you know? Frank Nilakina takes. The I don't want to trade Frank takes. The like, Frank takes from last offseason. I don't want to trade Frank or Chris Paul. Now how do we look like with that take out there? That was, that was a serious take. I mm-hmm. won't trade Frank Nilakina for Chris Not Paul. Not with me because I've never been a Frank guy. Never. Like, well, so ever. Let me be clear. I've never been. I've never been that Frank guy. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always, I've always liked him. I've yeah. never loved him. Yeah, I would trade him for a water cooler. I'll well, <laughs> so just be honest. I would. I think there is a role for him on an NBA team. It's why I want him off this team because I want him to go to a team that will give him a chance, and we can be find out who was right or wrong. Because either he's going to go to another right. team, find a role, and we'll all blame Tibbs and Fisdale and Hornacek for mismanaging him or he'll be out of the league in two years and we'll be like hey, remember that Frank Nilakina thing wow that was that was that was wild wow. like four we went years. A little, yeah we went overboard with that For like we? four <laughs> years this kid from France that couldn't like never scored more than 20 points in a game <laughs> had like the most loyal fan base in this in this city wow. you know then he'll come back and sit courtside once and everybody will go crazy though That's, that, that'll happen yeah, seriously. Well, you know, the one thing, and I am not claiming to be like, I watch a lot of Colin Sexton. Obviously, I've seen enough. I, I know a good bit about it, but I am not going to claim that. I, I have a full scouting report. I know everything about the guy. I'm not doing that. Um, but some things that I've heard into this season, and I, I don't remember who said it, so it could have been somebody that covers Cleveland or – some sources around there or just some of the league, you know, sources that were talking about Colin, uh, his teammates frustrated with him with the way that he's very ball dominant. I think that was Cleveland.com reported that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes me want to throw it out there. Is that if a trade was available, does that scare you away from him? You know who else had those same concerns? Like literally months ago, like three or four months ago, Trey Young. We yeah. heard that there were people concerned John about John Collins trade. and him didn't get along. Exactly. Yeah. We heard those exact same locker room concerns. And then a, a coach got in there that actually knew what they were doing. And now look at them. They have mm-hmm. arguably the, the, I don't know about the highest ceiling going into next season, but they absolutely had the most impressive run throughout the playoffs from expectations to how far they got. Yeah. And now they've done a complete 180 on everybody with their reputation. I now have a different respect for Trey Young, even though I'm very glad that you know, some rules are going to get changed. And I hope, yeah. honestly, just take all the FIBA rules and put them in the NBA and there. I, I'm okay with that version of officiating. Yep. Um, I look at Colin Sexton right now, and this is where it's like I will also add the counterpoint to why people don't like Colin Sexton because that is legit concern. Maybe his he has been tough to play with over the last year. Um, there's a lot of concern that Cleveland just drafted him two years ago. And now all of a sudden they're ready to trade him. Sounds a lot like Dennis Smith jr. Sounds a lot like, um, to cross sports, the jets after three years decided to trade Sam Darnold rather than keep him and, and went with the next available young point guard or young guard instead. Um, I, I'm solely banking my, Thoughts about Colin Sexton on I want to see what he does with stability as his coaching staff, as his situation here, and not necessarily on what he's already done, even though what he's already done is score 24 a game for an entire season. So. Exactly. 
Things have been so negative in Cleveland for the last two years. Everything out of there has been negative since LeBron left. That yeah. it's hard for me to put a lot of stock in the stuff that I've read. I completely forgot the whole Bayheim thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, Beeline. Yeah. The B Beeline. Beeline. Michigan, my, West Virginia. Yeah, apologies Michigan, West to all Virginia. my Syracuse friends out yes. there. No. I forgot the Beeline thing. The didn't he say something offensive in a meeting? Yeah, I think he called some, them he thugs. Like, called yeah, like or yeah. I don't know if he called the players thugs to their faces. He it was kind of it involved the word yeah, thugs. Yeah. I th- yeah. Yeah, and like it blew into a big, big, uh, big. Well, what's it called? Right? Well, that's why he got. That's yeah. why he resigned, right? I think. Yeah. Or, well, they were also yeah. terrible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like it wasn't working. Yeah. Who yeah. would have thought a 60, 70 year old co- coach with no NBA experience, NBA experience couldn't right. couldn't it's, coach in the NBA? It's right. why, like, I'm. I, I, we don't have to get too into it, but it might just be just a quick mention. Like, I'm very happy with the pattern of hires that have been made. Jamal Mosley, great Dude, hire. Every single backup, they're they're all younger. They're all used to play in the league. Um, and like just flat out, they're all black people. Like I. Mm-hmm. You want to be coached by someone that looks like you, and I think that's an important step toward inclusion in this league. That you know, I, I think is an important one. So, great. You know, and as we're talking about the Colin Sexton, and we know, you know, kind of where we stand on it here. Kind of changing gears a little bit here because um, this is something I wanted to talk to you about, Andrew. And I'm asking every guest that we have. Because oh no, I, I just can't let it go. I don't get it. Uh, the the USA team, right? Uh, <laughs> they're they're off to a a rough start on their expeditions. Obviously, these are not games that matter right now. But they're zero and two, and I'm still trying to figure out why isn't Julius Randle on this team? Like I don't I don't I don't get it. Why why Kevin Love over Julius Randle? Like Kevin Love is not the same guy he was in the last like, the 2012 Olympics. Like that, yeah, obviously, but why? Why, why is the Randall not have a spot on this Olympic team? Do you actually believe that they picked – can I get a little tinfoil hat on you? Do you actually believe that they picked Kevin Love over Julius Randall? Hey. Or is it more plausible that Julius just played the most minutes out of anybody in the league this year and it's being framed as a favor to Julius that they picked a guy that barely played and has nowhere in there on his body to go to the the Olympics. So that way Julius can have this chip on his shoulder and the reputation is that way. That is, that's the only thing that's made sense to me is that that's the reason that they chose love over Julius. Cause the other, the alternative doesn't make sense either. Cause I'll even go a step further. Why is Jeremy Grant on this team yes. over Julius Randall? There yeah. are multiple guys on this team that don't make sense to be on it above Julius Randall. Um, yeah. The, they don't really have a true point guard. The the center rotation, right. I don't like. It's it's. I like Bam, but after like, Bam gets in foul trouble, and you're the Warriors, and not the good ones, you know. <laughs> so, I, like, you can go down the list of why this roster doesn't make a lot of sense. However, I guess my only thought is that once they get Booker, Middleton, and Holiday, they'll be better, and that they'll. The bigger thing about the Olympics is that I think the league, the, the world's caught up to us in starting fives. And that's where we've struggled lately mm-hmm. is that their five against our best five haven't been the, enough of a comp. Although low key, 
Durant, Beal, Dame should have been enough. Anyway, yes, yeah, it's the depth. Once you get into like your second team, yeah, is significantly better than like that's how we were building leads yes. in the in the 2012 and the 2008 teams, and that's where I'm hoping that that's where the 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 big uptick in in you'll see the difference in countries <laughs> once yeah. once we get our full roster. There is what I'm hoping, right. Yeah, and I know it's been a conversation with national media, and of course the national media is going to talk about it and kind of press the panic button or pretend that the panic button needs to be set. Uh, obviously, both losses aren't good. I mean, you shouldn't lose to Nigeria. I mean, Australia has some good good players as well, and, you know, Nigeria has some good young players as well. And that's part How of it. Know, is that, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, these, these, guys, these countries are having NBA talent on their team like other countries are starting to come into the game it's a very international uh, game now i mean it's not you know so much as the u.s have the best players other countries have really good players but at the end of the day as you just said andrew it's it's the the depth that makes us so much deeper than these other countries so you know i, I was talking to a few people about it that are like man they're, they're, they this this, this is going to be a disappointment and i'm like they're expedition games it's not good but it's not the end of the world. Like, you know, when they get into the actual tournament and if they're still sucking, like, yeah, well, then yeah, we could talk about that. If they, just, lose, if they lose two straight to start the Olympics, yeah. then we actually do have, like, a, a problem. What, is, yeah. what is happening? Like, what right. just happened, yeah. you know? You know, it, and, again, like, people don't – some of these guys just obviously just got done, playoff runs, things like that. They had a, a lot of wear and tear on their bodies. But as well as these guys are playing together – they don't get that opportunity very often. And people don't understand that. Like when you're a number one on your team and now you're filled with a bunch of number ones, you kind of have to figure out how to play with people and how to fit in your role. Um, you know, th these guys are used to having the ball in their hands and creating for themselves, you know, and, and now they might be asked to share the ball or, you know, not be the one to take the shot. Sometimes it takes a little bit to kind of get going, but you got about a week to start figuring some of that stuff out. Um, you know, especially your opening, you know, pool play, they'll be fine. But when it gets deeper into it and you will be playing some of these countries that do have a lot of talent on them, you know, uh, you, you got to be able to make those adjustments and make them quick. But it's just funny the panic button's on, you know, with uh, so much people right now for the first two games. Like, it's not good. It's worth talking about it. It's concerning, but it's not – like hit the red button we're screwed right now well who's panicking like that uh, that would be my question that's is... yeah like and that's why i i call it the national media because they sit there more so and i i don't think they believe and i say this yeah. all the time. like they're I don't tv think characters believe. yeah they're yes. characters. Stephen a smith they, is a character don't get that yeah even even in and you know where i work the radio station right after the morning show it's dan patrick that comes on Mm -hmm. uh, no, Dan Patrick. No good, you know, Dan Pat Dan Patrick's not panicking or anything like that. I mean, but you know, he talks about the roster and some of the holes that he or not so much holes, but there's better players than some of these guys that are that are on the roster is what he was talking about. 
but then you get some of the callers who listen to the, you know, the, the Stephen A. Smith or the freaking um, Skip Bayless or, you know, really Colin Cowherd at times. Oh, God. Uh, and, and God. They, and they Cowherd's start the worst of them it's all, great. I think. You said oh, you just said three of the Rushmores. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Just, it doesn't get more than that. So uh-huh. it's more of the, the national media that kind of puts that out there and causes it. And it's great because you really will hear callers going, oh, my gosh, like, what, what's going on? Like, this is this is a disaster. And it's like, okay, it's it's – it's not good, but it's nowhere near that yet. Like, they'll be fine. When the Olympic Games start, Team USA will be there, and they'll be fine. But it's just funny. It's just funny through the overreactions of it. Uh, yeah. They kind of treated it like an NBA regular season game. Right. They're just right. like, add eh, defense is optional right now. But, and well, then they'll notice, lock like, in like it's a playoff game when the like, actual Olympics start. The That's how I'm viewing it. Well, if you notice in the playoffs, like game one, the team that loses, oh, gosh, they just – they're in some trouble. They didn't do this well, that well, this way. And then when they turn around and win game two, it's that – oh, man, the other team's in a world of trouble. They made this adjustment. Like, they just – they, like, set that narrative, like, panic, you know, type thing. I think it's just what they're used to doing, but they don't believe it. They just throw it out there because they know people are going to buy into it and react to it. It's just great. Like, on my show, we do have a lot of people talk about – you know, like people like scale, uh, Skip Bayless and like, well, I mean, like he said, that, I said, first off, he doesn't believe any of the crap he's saying. He's just getting paid $10 million to say it. You want me to say some stupid things, you give me $10 million, I'll say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just all it is. Like, I don't know about that. Real. I think he believes some of the stuff he's saying. I, I, think I don't think Stephen A. Smith. Cowboys, it's, it's serious. I don't think I, Stephen A. Smith believes everything he's saying. No, I think Skip Bayless believes everything he's saying. <laughs> Chip, was it you that I've told my Skip Bayless story to? That I, I can tell it again if I need to. I, you may have. Tell it again. So, like, I grew up on first take. I guess we'll say grew up on first take. But I remember when first take was still, like, cold pizza, you wow. know? And yeah. it was just a segment that the first thing we're going to do is called first take. And then Skip Bayless, like, rose to fame by – the 2008 playoffs when he wrote, he made it his thing that I'm going to be the guy that's against LeBron and every former NBA player that sat across from him is like, this is the dumbest thing ever, but it was leading to ratings. Um, and I was like intrigued by it. Cause I was a bit of a LeBron guy. Cause I thought it was coming to the Knicks in 2010. Um, then 2011 happens and it was either 2011 or 20. When did Tim Tebow happen? That one season where everybody lost their mind about who, what's, what's a good quarterback? I'm still trying to forget and pretending I didn't buy a jersey right after he came. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's hanging up in my closet. It was the 2012 season. Yes, because it was the year after. the. It's the year the Giants won the Super Bowl, so it was actually 2011. Never mind. It's 2011. Um, so that season – was when Bayless really took off and more specifically when Bayless versus Stephen A took off. And I was at school at the time studying broadcast journalism and like realizing like, Oh, this is how this type of show gets formed. And then one day, like a skip was driving me crazy with his takes. I was emotionally reacting to everything he ever said. One day he said, if I had one game to win, I would take, Tim Tebow as my quarterback over Aaron Rodgers, who that year went 15 and one with the Packers and won the MVP throwing 45 touchdowns and six interceptions. And something clicked that 
he, this isn't real. He's like, even if he does believe it, he's not really trying to be right. He's trying to get a reaction. And it's formed every single thing he's ever said in my life after that. And it's why I'm able to just like, I've muted him in 2011, haven't really followed him since. And when people react to him, I'm just like, yeah, he got you. Like, that's what he's going for is the reaction. Yeah. And Stephen A has followed that model to an extent where it's at least more entertaining. And like, except when he puts his foot in his mouth, like he has this week. Um, and like Max has started to do it. Kendrick Perkins has started to do it. And it's why I'm able to respect the guys that have to, the guys and girls that have to find a way to create content when there's nothing to be created. Mm-hmm. I, I respect it. Like we're, we, what do you think? Why do you think we're on? 6.0 of cap or no cap. We are trying to create content when there's really not much to talk about. You guys get it as content creators do. Well, Sometimes just the, there's a Colin Sexton rumor. Quick, let's do a podcast, you know? So I, I anybody that still looks at, at Stephen A or Max or Skip or even Shannon at this point, and it's anything more than just like they are, they might as well be on the view or not even it might as well be on game of thrones like they're tv characters that is yep. their they might as well be reading a script yep i always looked at them like they're kind of pro wrestlers who've become the character like hulk hogan who, oh that's funny <laughs> hulk hogan rick flair yeah like they've been doing it forever and they're just like they're not even they don't go by their real names anymore like the their friends just call them hulk yeah like hulk hogan if you see him out in real life, he, he wears the bandana. Like, Does he really? He, yeah, he just wears it. And uh, and Ric Flair, like, he doesn't go by his real name. Everybody calls him Nate. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody just calls him that. And he, yep. he struts all over the place, and he's, he's crazy. Like, who, do you think, who do you think calls, calls Hulk Hogan Terry? Uh, it's got to be his, like, his family. I don't his think fa- anybody I, does. I, if, I, if I was able to, at a certain point, I would just be like, Mom, Dad, call me. Call me Hulk, because it's just yeah. cooler, you know. I wonder if I'm yeah. gonna be honest. I didn't even know his name was Terry. So. Yeah, yeah, I knew that because I, I, mean, I, I had knew that no idea. I'm a fan, but yeah, <laughs> like who calls who calls the Rock Dwayne? No, but yeah, that's just no. You Call know, yeah, it's Steve Austin is his actual name, right? That's right. No, no, no. It's uh, oh nope. shit, I, I it's Steve Austin. No, it it's is not Steve, Steve Austin. Okay. We're going with that. I have no idea. It's not Steve Austin, but and the Undertaker is the Undertaker. Mark Calloway. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Austin is his actual name. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Ah, I now, if I would call I him Stone Cold if I ever met him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Like, who's yeah. calling him Steve? No, that's not badass. Yeah. Nobody, nobody you know, that's not it. What's no. up, Austin? There you, <laughs> yeah. there you go. All right. So. We got the U.S. out of the way. Now the other thing is, and Chip, I'll kind of let you, uh, me, me and you were trying to piggyback here and kind of come up with what we were trying to say here. So you, you feel free to kind of jump into it. I know we talked, we see the mellow jersey behind you. So we wanted to get some mellow talk in there, Chip, uh, as well, because uh, we're, all three of us are big mellow fans. You, I didn't know Macri was not a big Carmelo Anthony yeah. guy. <laughs> oh, like, I didn't know that. I gotta I get feel, a background story on that. We're gonna bring up. We're gonna bring up Macri not being a mellow guy. <laughs> I gotta I didn't know, know why this is that up on the show too. Uh, I gotta know. Yeah, we're. I figured Team USA was a perfect segue into mellow. 
Mm-hmm. Like if there was ever a time to bring up Melo, it's right now. Yes, but Andrew, I figure, does not get uh, a lot of opportunities to talk about Melo coming back to New York on uh, his own podcast because mm-hmm. Macri is not a mellow guy. I'm, I'm the brains, not the voice. That, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly the yeah. brains. He's not the voice. So <laughs> I figured we should let our guests talk about mellow. Yeah. A possible mellow return to New York next oh, no. year. <laughs> <laughs> so here's where it's going to be disappointing. I want no part of a mellow return oh, to New no. York. Unless like we're in super team season. If there's a war now and like the, the super team season isn't even possible now because of Kawhi's injury I have like next season you can't go full super team because the thought was if you're trading everything for Dame we'll go then Kawhi must be coming and then you're going to be looking for guys they're going to go ring chasing like a Carmelo Anthony uh outside of Melo um outside of super team Melo will forever be what like my top three in favorite Knicks ever um I've been a while since I've actually evaluated what my favorite Knicks ever are. And I, I know he's in, I, you guys can't see, but if you've seen me on YouTube, there is a mellow Jersey behind me in my new studio and we'll be hanging there forever. Um, I'm a mellow Stan or a retired mellow Stan because part of being a Stan requires you to argue on the internet, which I don't really like to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how at this point in his career, being on a team that isn't going to let him just kind of chuck from time to time as it, in a supporting role uh, isn't what's best for him. And that's why being on Portland, being on the Lakers, being on the Clippers, even dare I say it, being on Brooklyn uh, oh, no. makes, I don't oh. want it. I'm just saying what would make the most sense for him is we literally just need you to come in and be, be instant offense. Like the Blake Griffin role for him is perfect. And, you know, you watch in the playoffs, like he was like Portland's fourth best player, third best mm. offensive option yeah. during the playoffs, which is why Dame might want out because Carmelo Anthony at this point in his career is my third best option to try and be a, a Nuggets team that's starting Austin Rivers. Um, I have to look at Melo as that and whether he would come here and accept that kind of role, like the Alec Burks role. I don't see him doing that. I would see him coming here especially with like who he'd be coming to he'd be coming back to leon and would be like oh uh, this is our homecoming i get to play out the last couple years of my career more like more like what kobe was in the last couple years which means you're probably going to be bad the star Um, of the show you think yeah i would i would i can't see mellow accepting that kind of role and like if we want to get into personal stuff um Although look, power wrapped up. Uh, do either of you guys watch the show Power? No, I didn't watch it, no. but I know Lala was on. Lala was on it, which was always my thought about Melo staying because Lala works on Power, which films in New York. This is back in 2014 when he was right. gonna be a free agent. My case was like Melo's gonna stay because like it makes more sense. Like it's either L.A. or New York, and L.A. is no reason to go there because they're much further away from the Knicks uh, than what the Knicks are. Um, so yeah, I. I look at Melo in 2021, 2022 as a guy that needs to go ring chasing. And unless the Knicks are willing to put a team together that is chasing a ring, I don't see a role for Carmelo Anthony here. However, I will defend the Melo years 
to the death if I have to. Uh, Specifically, yeah. if you want, it, want me to do it for the pod, I will defend the mellow trade if I have to. Because I okay. hate the revisionist <laughs> do history. It. Do it. I, mm, I can curse on here? Yes. yes. Go yes. ahead. I Go fucking ahead. hate the revisionist <laughs> history of the Carmelo Anthony trade being like, oh, we can't let this be like the mellow trade. Really? The thing where we gave up one first round pick? One, we gave up a pick swap in 2016. So I'm supposed to worry about 13-year-old Jamal Murray in 2010 when I'm trying to figure out about what I'm going to do for the next three to four years when my window is? They were the two seed three years, two years after the mellow trade. I'm sorry. Like the, the, if we're going to do that and be like, well, in 2016, there was a pick swap that came into effect. Then I need to – the Anthony Davis trade was a loss. The Kawhi Leonard trade uh, – the, the Paul George trade was a loss. Whatever this true holiday trade is is a loss. Any team that's ever traded – the James Harden trade is a loss because you have to think about what those picks are going to be in 2028 rather than your window is now. And to anybody that's like, it was never part of the plan to trade all your assets for Melo. He was coming here anyway. You don't know that. He was – we had a, a lockout looming or a strike looming – Everybody was getting to the team they were going to be with so they could be under the old CBA when they could. I believe he would have went to, to New Jersey slash Brooklyn. I believe he was trying to get to his next team. Uh, maybe he would have stayed in Denver. All I know is I don't have the actual concrete proof because what the conversation was at the time was we, need, like, we don't know what the next CBA is going to look like. And if, for those who are too young to remember this, the season didn't start until Christmas anyway. So I look at the mellow trade as if you want to say like, well, we could have used those assets for Chris Paul. All right, fine. Right. Like, it, like I can't like counterpoint that they probably could have. I still look at it as you traded four players that to this moment in time has still never made an all-star team. Um, you traded a first round pick that amounted to Dario Saric who bounced around a bunch of different teams. And then a pick swap that if Phil Jackson knew what he was doing, wouldn't have mattered in 2016. That's the mellow trade. Four players that don't start now, or that are like are basically bench players, and then a pick and a pick swap. It, this wasn't like the the Anthony Davis trade where they traded seven picks for for one player. This isn't even the Garnett trade where it was a, literally a seven for one. Like the Knicks got back Chauncey Billups, the Knicks got back Carmelo Anthony, and that was the team. Like, I just I hate the the revisionist history of the Knicks gave up too much because I don't like the plan was always from Donnie Walsh we're going star hunting in 2010 and to anybody that's like well what about the team that was there in 2010 before the Melo trade yeah the team that was 20 and 18 during when the trade was made like like that's what you want you would rather be a seven seed with that being the ceiling of a team rather than actually going for it. And I just, I, I, mm, I it genuinely hits a nerve because two years later, they were the two seed in the 2013 season outside of the one we just had is my favorite season as a Knicks fan. So that is my rant. Thank you for giving me the floor. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I mean, you know, it, it, and if it's on the conversation, the first part of it, of bringing a mellow back, it, it don't, it, it doesn't make sense. Like everything you said right there, it, it was absolutely perfect. And I, I just, I can't, I can't even, I can't even add to it. Like, well, so it hold well on, said. Chip, is there a case? For bringing mellow back? I, I'm, I'm with Andrew on that. That, that was isn't well, emotional. Perfect. That isn't emotional. 
Oh, then probably not. So you want him? <laughs> so it's Dirk. You would like him to play play the Dirk yeah, role? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he when he will probably come here and play the Kobe role. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I would just love to see him come back. Like Melo is in my family. Melo is like the number one athlete. Like he's so huge. Like my sister graduated from Syracuse. My mm. my dad and my brother are huge Syracuse basketball fans. My aunt and uncle and cousins live in Syracuse, five minutes away from the Carrier Dome. If Melo came back to the Knicks, it would be so huge in my house. Like, he's the number one athlete. Like, my mom doesn't even follow sports at all, but she knows Melo and followed him his career when he was out of the league. So it's like, it would be just be fun, like, if he came back. But, yeah, I know if he came back, like, it would, like, there'd be young players that you'd rather see in that spot. But I don't know about the ring chasing thing. Cause there's two ways you can go like Vince Carter is a hall of famer. And he, he decided not to go that route. He went right. to places where he knew he was going to play. And I, I mean, and what did his teams win? Yeah. They, they didn't win shit, but yeah. he, knew they, <laughs> he knew they weren't going to win shit though. When he went so there, if we knew the Knicks weren't, if so, here's what I'd say. If the plan was to tank, then yeah, I'm a well, front. Give Melo a max, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'd love to have the last three years of Melo's career just be him on the Knicks, trying to help us get Imoni Bates or whoever the next big high school prospect is. I think the Knicks, you know, sights are a little higher. I yeah. think Tibbs would love to have him too, though. Tibbs would lose his mind if this team was tanking. Oh no, no, no! I don't. What you think, Melo coming in would be tanking? I'm saying the role that. Mello would play on this team would be so you see him actually coming here and playing the Alec Burks role just to come in play instant offense for I, a little I, bit I don't I just don't yeah I don't I he just came off the bench for Dame Lillard I think he'd come off the bench for Tibbs I see I don't I think he would want to start next to RJ and put RJ at the two He's played power forward, so and he much hated better. it. And he hated it. But he, <laughs> he just, it. but he just played power forward so well. Uh, if he, didn't I think play- if he's next to Dame, he's willing to do it. But at this point, I also, at this point in his career, why would he come? Why would he go to a team that doesn't have a chance to win a championship? Yeah. Especially if Chris Paul gets one here, he's the last of the banana boat. He needs, he needs to get it. Now he might get one and, and the difference between those other guys is those, those guys were the alphas getting the rings and, and Mello is kind of just there for the ride mm-hmm. and plays a role. You know, that's the difference, but Hey, you, you got You got to join the banana group and get a ring. That's all I'm saying. I, I think I just, the Lakers I don't think are the likely. most likely team. I know here's, that. Here's what I'll say. The, the actual hope for any Mello on the Knicks future if you did want to is what Dwayne Wade was his, his last two years in Miami where that team right. was like a seven seed and he was just their their best player off the bench so maybe like what Derrick Rose was this year yeah. but not the point guard you yeah know? the difference of that though is Wade had multiple rings already he, I mean it, it, to him it was right. like whatever I finished my career where I was you know where I got those that that it's it's I just don't think Camilo will even consider the Knicks to be honest I really don't I, I, well, I don't know about that. I think he'll consider I them. I think he'll use them as, you know, to drive up the I, price of whoever. Uh, 100,000%. I think Leon Rose will help him do it. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess not. I just thought he would maybe consider coming off the bench for the Knicks too. But 
I also just don't want the headache of, as you just heard me discuss the oh the fucking Mark Berman bullshit. That'll yeah, come yeah the 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 he's back. Uh, the, they start off like eight and fifteen, and it's like was bringing Carmelo Anthony back a mistake? Oh, Is Carmelo Anthony ruining the good thing the Knicks had last? Like, I just yeah. I don't want. His yeah, legacy that's true. To me that's true. Is what it is, and there's no. It's like honestly, I have a frustration right now with the Mets and Carlos Beltran. Like that dude is the best center fielder in team history, and we were able to create a new narrative around that guy because I, a lot of people just evaluated his time here by one pitch, and we were able to say actually no, the more goes into why they didn't win in 06 than an Adam Wainwright curveball. You know, and then he became the manager for two months and the rest is kind of history. Uh, I would like Mello's. I don't want to change anything about Mello's Nick's career. I, I think what it was is what it was and we can evaluate it accordingly. Um, I just hope there's more stands, more people like you and me that are able to. I guess, Matt, are you also a retired Mello stand or still a Mello stand? I am. I am. Okay. So I was. Yeah. I just hope there's more people like the three of us that are able to defend that trading for him wasn't the worst thing in the world. It's the moves that followed that were the problem. It's the Amari Stoudemire injury that followed, which is why the the unprotected pick in 2014 and the swap in 2016 are the actual things that mattered. You know. Right. Yeah, and I, I we talked about the trade a couple a couple weeks ago. I think when we were talking the Damian Lillard thing and talking about trading a lot of assets just to get the one guy. I think the thing for me mm-hmm. really was from it was the the way they they filled out everybody else around them. It, it just didn't quite work out the way. Mellow or Dame? Uh, for Mellow, you know, we talked about the Mellow trade and talked about how we gave up you know pieces and and gave up a, a big part of the foundations and things like that, which. I'm a little bit different from, and I get what you're saying with, with your idea behind it. It was just a big chunk of the foundation of guys went and then they didn't really, it just never really fully came to plan bringing in mellow. You know what I mean? Like they, I thought we would have a chance to bring in like Chris Paul and have Amari, Chris Paul, you know what I mean? Like th- those were well, my expectations back then, but that's not so, mellow at all. Well, so that's why I'm saying this is more on, cause they did have a chance to bring in right. Chris Paul. They chose Tyson Chandler instead. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, that they people... still could have got Chris Paul. And yeah. who knows if Danilo Gallinari gets you Chris Paul anyway, by the way. Right. Who knows? Right. I just... Eric Gordon was valued higher than Danilo Gallinari at the time. <laughs> don't you, like, I, well, we don't need to go all the way down. <laughs> right. that, that, that did pop into my head. Like, <laughs> But, like, conversations from 2011, you know, when I just – I look at it, the, the moves that followed Melo that I didn't like that led to people – being upset about the trade. It's not like you couldn't just not make those moves. And then all of a sudden the mellow trade looks like a success, you know? And Danny, like the, the frustrating part that I've seen is well, he was coming here anyway. Nobody knows that nobody wanted to be a free agent going into the lockout. I, I just, yeah. I don't know that for a fact. And like the Lakers thought that Paul George was going there anyway, and he didn't. And so then the next time they were, rumored to have a guy going there anyway they made the the 45 for one trade for anthony davis now it worked out he's playing next to lebron james so the knicks had amari stoudemire and for three years cleared cap space with the intent of going star hunting yes so 
Like this was always the plan to get bigger stars, bigger names than Wilson Chandler and and Timothy Mozgov and Danilo Gallinari. Because I don't even include Felton in that. Felton was back on the team within a year and a half anyway. So right. if anything, they won that. They won it because they got Raymond Felton back. You didn't even lose all your assets. Um, I, I just I, I don't know for a fact that Mello was coming here anyway. And even so, with the looming lockout, I can't fault the Knicks for being like, let's get, let's get as much of the future as we can already on the team. And then, like, the one criticism I would give is I wouldn't have used my amnesty after the CBA was agreed to on Billups. I would have waited and seen what Amari's knees looked like and used it on him. And then go trade for Chris Paul. That was right. the option that you could have done. So. Right. And uh, before we wrap this up here, uh, this is the last thing we wanted to kind of throw at you. is you look at the potential free agents coming up, uh, you know, that will be – joining new teams or potentially joining new teams and what the what free agency is about to begin real soon, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could have it any way you want, you're oh, wow. right. You're okay. like, it don't matter about any other fact, realistic or not. Who's top of your list? Like who's somebody you just, would love to see in a Nick uniform for this free agent class. Do I, I have to be realistic on what they'll sign for. Right. Right. Any, yeah. 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 Like, all right. You can have your way. You got the player. They're willing to come. You can sign them to the deal. Well, who, realistically, who realistically, Kyle Lowry would top my list. Um, I'm with you on that. I think if I'm daring to dream, like if like if you're asking the pipe dream, like Kawhi and Chris Paul come this offseason. Right. right. I think Chris Paul's going to retire in, in Phoenix, and I think that um, – Kawhi, now that he's going to be out for the next nine months, has no incentive not to sign a gigantic extension in Los Angeles. So that dream is dead. Um, I think Lowry's the next, as far as like the guys that only will cost you cash and won't cost you too much cash, that it cripples the future. Kyle Lowry, I mean, look, we're coming off a year where all we argued about was the point guard is killing this team. If you just replace... Derrick Rose, and I'm not even to say like I didn't appreciate what Derrick Rose was last year, but like if you replace Derrick Rose and Alfred Payton with Kyle Lowry, Derrick Rose, and Luca Vildoza, that to me just sounds like a much more successful point guard rotation. And then, you know, maybe quickly takes a, a jump. Maybe you don't, you aren't able to bring back Derrick Rose, and Vildoza takes a bigger jump. He's the real deal. Um, and Kyle Lowry, I think he'd be a perfect Tibbs guy. I would love to play 49 minutes a night, you know, like just an extra minute on the court for good luck. Uh, I think what you saw, not necessarily the year he won the title, because I attribute most of that to Kawhi, but you saw just like the last two seasons where he's able to play off ball of Fred Van Vliet and play with a bunch of young guys like Siakam and Van Vliet and Ananobi. And, you know, he can elevate your, your floor, your, your ceiling all of a sudden, like, like what Chris Paul would, but won't cost you the three for 90 or four for 130 that I probably would to get Chris Paul. So Kyle Lowry would top my list for sure. You know what's crazy, though? Like a few years back, like these older point guards, I would be petrified to touch. Mm-hmm. Because you just go, like, every point guard eventually just falls off the face of the earth. It just happens. Yeah. But these guys are not, like, slowing down at all. Like, I figured Chris Paul was going to suck, like, two years ago. He's, he's playing amazing. Kyle Lowry, the same thing. I'm just waiting for these guys to disappear 
and they're not. Like, it's so different. I repeat, will not trade Frank Nilakina for Chris Paul. That is a real <laughs> take that was around less than, like, less than six months ago. <laughs> like, oh my seriously. God. That's awful. That's you as know? bad as it gets there. Yeah. That tweet that ran around about that uh, fake trade oh. when Chris Paul was still on OKC. Oh, like okay, Nilakina, yeah. Knox, and some picks and for Chris Paul and people were like, no way we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh I, I look, I, 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 and look, I, as a Mets fan, I kind of get it. Cause like part of the, like, I, I have to attribute it to baseball in some way. Like I'm reminded all the time that most of the Knicks fan base is made up of Yankees and Mets fans. You know, there's really no like Nets crossover there. We all grew up rooting for one of the baseball teams and the Knicks. So the Yankees have this core four that you got to see the young guys get drafted by your team, get developed by your team, come up and join your team and then succeed with your team. And you want to duplicate that in basketball. And with the Mets, like traded Tom Seaver, traded Nolan Ryan, traded Jared Kelenic, who see, we'll see what he becomes out in Seattle. Um, and what's made like the Pete Alonzo and the, the David Wrights and the Jacob DeGroms be sweeter is that they came through the Mets farm system and like were our guys all the time. So I understand, I empathize with the attachment to these. We drafted them. We want to see them succeed. We want to develop them guys on this team at a certain point you have to look at a guy's ceiling realistically though. And it's why if we can bring this full circle back to an OB Toppin, I I have to look at what the Knicks future looks like. And if it's Julius Randle long-term Toppin's a backup four on a team that is going to be dominated by the person in front of him. He's not untradeable. I'd love to see him find a role on this team. I don't know what it realistically is, I can't say he's untradeable. Um, and then, of course, going down the line, Kevin Knox. I, oh my God, God bless, you. God bless you, dude. Nice guy, I, nice guy, nice yeah. kid. Everybody's not says personal. It. I'm, I, yeah. I promise, it's not. I'm not like knocking, knocking Knox. You know, yeah. <laughs> I just genuinely think he needs a, a change of scenery to a place yeah. that will play him when they'll go twelve and seventy. You know, and sell and trading Obi now could end up being selling high. Because if he comes back next year and looks like he did in the regular season the same way mm-hmm. he did in the regular season again, he's not going to be able to get you a player anywhere close to Colin Sexton. That's but, a good point. It's yeah. a really good point. A lot mm-hmm. of people have said you're selling low because of how few minutes he's played. You might actually be, be because of the playoffs that he had, selling him at his highest value. Yeah, right. I also wonder, like, is it realistic that he goes to a team that doesn't have, cause I think he needs a point guard. Like we said, I think a lot of people have said that it, like seeing him paired with Derek Rose is what made us all think that mm-hmm. Obi might actually, he needs to be able to be used like the way he was at Dayton, which was like running the floor, the high flying lobs, you know, the, the Blake Griffin comps is what right. a lot of people like to make with him. And I'm like, so we're just never going to see him develop a post move. You're never going to be able to see him create his own shot. So I not only have to worry about OB, but I have to worry about like another position in order for him to succeed. Um, I just, there's, there's so many ifs in there now. Like, look, maybe this Colin Sexton thing isn't real. And we see OB with Veldoza next year and 
and there's your there's your point guard and it's like oh well this will do like I'll, I'll i'll take significant backup minutes of this uh but we'll see I, i'm just I, it's a good point by chip that maybe maybe with the way tibbs likes to play his best players obi's not gonna play more than 17 minutes a game next year anyway so it doesn't matter yeah and he'd so. be he'd be good with lonzo if you're a lonzo guy oh yeah that, that's a good lonzo argument Mm-hmm. But I think maybe, that's all. Maybe we should trade Randall. Maybe that's the actual <laughs> big brain move. Trade Julius Randall so Obi can start, and then we'll know if we're right or not. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I think that is all the time we have for this episode. Uh, Andrew, thank you again for coming on. Really great stuff. Uh, I, I think it's my first time doing a show with you. And I, yeah, I, I man. Say, man. I, I, some of your takes, I really just – I don't have anything else to add or even play devil's advocate. Like, they're spot on. Like, Thank you. Nice. Thank you. That's like the best the best compliment you can give somebody. In I'm this telling industry. you. I'm, I'm like, know? wow. Like, I, I like what you're, you're bringing to the table here. I can well, see you. why you're the brains of Nick Phil. <laughs> That's it. I was about to say, well, if you'd like to hear where some of these takes originate and then get regurgitate from time to time, uh, head over to Nick's Film School where we just launched the Patreon. We have a, a fun newsletter. A really great. Like uh, the thing about Macri, if you want to hear his take on all these things, his newsletter, I learn something every time I read it. And I like I'm kind of required to read it. Um yeah, but head on over to Nick's Film School. We got a lot of cool stuff going on right now. And, guys, thank you so much for having me on. This is a blast, and I'll be back anytime you need me to, I even agree. if it's just to defend Mello. That's right. Hey, <laughs> hey we, uh, we love Mello here, so we can use you. So uh, thank you again for coming on. We'll wrap this one up, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening.